Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of Three Point Podcast. It's three guys, three generations, three different takes. I'm Ted Fatale of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio on the phone. Matt Burns of ESPN and Jared Fatel of Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. We also want to mention our sponsors tonight, which include the Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, that's where I ate this evening as a matter of fact, the Corona Connection and our podcast recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. We'll be checking in a little later on with Jack Strap, of course, and again, thanks to all the support we get from all you listeners out there, the comments at our Twitter site. That's at 3PointPod. Also, subscribe on Apple iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud or TuneIn. And, man, we got a lot to get into, including another disappointing Lions loss. Michigan's win at the big house against SMU, but I want to start off here on uh, what's been going on with the boys, especially Matt. I know you're in North Carolina, and, of course, the big hurricane came through. Tell us a little bit about uh, your experience. Well, yeah, so Hurricane Florence came through, and, I mean, that was anytime there's weather, that's the talk of the town, especially you guys know how it is when a, when a snowstorm is going to come in Michigan. That's what everyone's talking about. But but down here, you know, when, when the hurricanes are coming, I mean, everyone's going out buying their water, buying their milk and bread and everything, and, and rightfully so because it was a huge storm, and it definitely did a ton of damage along the coasts. And, and, I mean, they're still cleaning up, and they're going to be for a while. But where I'm at in Charlotte, we're far enough inland that usually when these things hit, they're a tropical storm by the time they get to us. So my wife and I, we decided to just take off for the weekend. We didn't want to deal with any power outages or anything like that so we went to tennessee um for a few days and got away from the rain and just kind of hung out and um luckily though where we're at where we live and where the espn offices are here uh got quite a bit of rain and there is some like localized flooding i guess but but overall not not too bad well you know i know uh, part of your duties at espn is is working pretty hard and heavy on saturdays How, how did that all work out were you able to just get away from it because of the storm yeah, and in fact, they, they ended up, I mean, it's pretty rare down here, I, I, especially in Bristol. It almost never happens, even on those crazy snowstorms up there in New England. Um, the office is never closed, but they actually closed the office down here this weekend and just told everyone to, to stay home or, or stay safe or whatever. So, so yeah, the, the stuff that we were supposed to do Friday night, Saturday and Sunday, they just they gave it to the people up in Bristol, and I, I think maybe even a crew out in L.A. or something handled something. So, so yeah, it was good that they didn't try and make anyone try and hop on a canoe or a rowboat <laughs> and get their get themselves into into the office. Did you stock up on any uh, supplies like the the bread or the milk or the water yourself? You know, we, or no? we did, and we were laughing when we were at the store because. I don't. I never understand why people do the bread and milk because it's like I understand the water. You know, we we did. And that's what we did. We stocked up on some water. You know, you don't know if if your water supply is going to go out or if it could get contaminated because of the flooding. So I get that. But the bread and milk, I kind of don't get because it's <laughs> like, what are you going to do with that if the power goes out? You know, like you're just going to make a ton of French toast on the grill or something, or or then if the power doesn't go out, then you're just left with like four gallons of milk and eight loaves of bread. So. So you're telling your kids we're going to be having French toast for a while. Like, this is, I, I don't this, get it, but, but yeah, the water we did. This is a bit of a left turn, but what, what's your guys' thoughts on, like, doomsday prepping as a whole? Are, are you guys in on that, or are you out? I know my family, my dad, uh, he was in on it. He was going to get supplies, and then I was like, but we don't have any guns of any sort, so I think we would just get robbed. And he's like, yeah, that's a good point, man. That's about <laughs> all the doomsday prepping we ever did. That ended it right there. Well, you know, I do, I do have a storm shelter in the basement that technically I have periodically thought about maybe stocking it up with some water and maybe some canned goods just in case there is some sort of disaster, but that's as far as it got. I did purchase a handgun uh, a year or two ago just because of the crazy things that's been going on in this country. I thought, well, it's never going to hurt to have some protection, you know? You just never know. I have yet to fire it, though. <laughs> Yeah, you never know, and it's it's crazy. As all the the bad snowstorms in Michigan, and even like this stuff down here, up in New England, uh, a couple years ago, it happened actually two or three times when I was up there working in Bristol. We had snowstorms. Those those nor'easters that come through are insane, and we a couple times we lost power for fourteen, eighteen days. And God, when you start getting to that stretch, uh, you know that long, you do start just like becoming savages. Because, I mean, you just, you're just you just scraping by. Luckily, ESPN, with the huge campus and the generators, the generators on the ESPN campus in Bristol power <laughs> that whole campus and the Bristol Hospital. So, I mean, they're legit. So, 
there's locker rooms, there's cafeteria. So luckily, being an ESP employee, I was able to go up there, get food, warm food, and, and showers and stuff like that. But there were people. I mean, once you hit two weeks without power, I don't care how much you're stocked up. I mean, you're you're scraping by. You know, I want to go back again here. I'm a guy that likes facts, uh, or as my wife likes to say, you're just a nosy. But uh, when you and your wife, you know, you got the young daughter, and I did see the storm on the radar on the news every night and it was a real slow moving storm that was bringing a lot of a lot of precipitation what was the conversation like at uh, at your household to make the move to go to Tennessee uh it was honestly i mean i was just being honest i i was i wanted to go i was like let's not even let's better better be safe than sorry right you know we we knew we were going to get a ton of rain even when it was moving slow you know it, either way it, we were going to get a ton of rain and you know, I was like, we don't want to be stuck in the middle of it, lose power, and then we're scrambling to figure out what we're going to do. I was like, let's just get out of town. You know, we had a we had a long weekend, so we were like, we can actually have some fun or whatever. Sure. Um, she was she was on the side, like, let's wait and see. Um, but you know, she, you know, we decided to go with the little one, and we have a little dog and everything. So we were like, let's just say better safe than sorry. Let's get out of town. Yeah, that, and and it, that's a great call because if you even if you just lose power. Like, I remember we lost power one Christmas break. I was uh, a junior in high school. I was playing with Legos. I was playing with Legos. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. I mean, we had one of the worst Christmases ever with that with that power outage. Uh, and uh, on top of that, I had a shack up at my mother-in-law's for a while. That, that never works out real well. I remember that one. I, I was living in Connecticut, but I was coming back for the holidays. And luckily, I was able to get back, but... I remember my parents had a generator. It, that was the big ice storm, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was bad. I remember, I mean, there were trees down, limbs down everywhere. That was a bad storm. That's about as bad as I ever remember, to tell you the truth. I mean, and we were without power, I think, for five or six days. Yeah. That yeah, was awful. Well, yeah. uh, that's the storm story. Now, I know Jared's going to have further stories for us now that he's really getting into his professional career. Next up, they're sending you down with a camera. Going down to the big house covering the Nebraska game. Have you done any kind of prep work at all? Uh, well, I'm gonna. I, as you guys know, I have a podcast where I'm a big time Michigan fan, so I'm gonna try my best to remain an unbiased uh, reporter. I don't know. I think I will be getting some audio. So if I have to interview Jim Harbaugh, I like to say right now that I won't throw him a softball. But knowing me and knowing how I kind of like to avoid conflict at any turn. I will probably toss him a couple softballs, win or lose, which is not great reporting. But like I said, that's not how I would want it to go, but I just know how I operate. So, in other words, you're planning on not only doing uh, game film of the actual game, but planning on going to the presser afterwards and maybe firing a question or two, huh? I, I believe so, and that's actually kind of where I'd like to get your guys' uh, sort of advice. I've heard that like, in order to ask a question, you're – Two people are going to start asking a question, and it just kind of becomes like an alpha battle where it's whoever talks the loudest is going to be able to get their question out. Have you guys had experience like that where you've maybe been put in your place by another reporter? This is probably more toward uh, Ted than Matt, I guess. But Well, I've told this story before, and it's been quite a few years. In fact, Matt, I sent you over a photo of, uh, of the one of the big days I was down there when Michigan played Wisconsin back in the late 80s. And I actually went to the press conference after the game, you know, and I was relatively new in the broadcasting profession at that time, and I'll try to make this as short as I can, but I've been at the press conference, and you're seeing the, uh, you know, the beat writers from the Free Press, the Detroit News, the, the big Detroit television stations, they're all firing off questions, and there was a writer for the Detroit News at the time, his name was Jim Spadafore, and he asked Bo, this is when Bo was the coach, he asked Bo a question, and you know, Bo, I didn't think liked the guy at all, and you know, really reamed his ass. I, I took a, a close friend of mine down to the game, and he was actually in the press conference with me. He kept hitting me in the ribs, saying, "Ted, Ted, you got to ask him a question. You got to ask him a question." So, you know, I sucked it up because I was nervous as hell. I mean, it, 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 was, it was it was pretty intimidating to tell you the truth. So I did. I, I finally just piped up, you know, and asked a question. I think the question was something like, this is when Jamie Morris was the running back. He had like 150 yards. Bo instituted the wishbone for that game. I asked some lame question like, hey, Bo, you were really successful today with the wishbone. You going to run that some more? <laughs> a real pro question. But you know what? Here's, here's how, and I, and I love Bo, always love Bo. He looked at me, and I could tell he was eyeing me up. He did a quick look. 
and he said, this guy's kind of a rookie. So he answered my question, and it was he gave me a really kind of a good answer. I still have that on tape somewhere, but that was my experience. But you're right. Jared, I'm going to tell you right now, it's intimidating. And if you ask a question of Harbaugh, kudos to you. If you get one in there, I'm going to be very impressed. What do you think, Matt? You can have a couple questions prepared, you know, if you want to write them down or whatever. But, you know, sometimes when you get in there, you almost forget everything that you had planned, unless you have, unless there's, like, something very, very specific you want to ask. But maybe that's what you, what you just need to do. Have that one question set in your head that you know, like, if you get the chance, if there's a, a quick second of dead air, just fire out your question. Practice it on the ride down. Ask it. Yeah, ask yourself a few times. You know, have, have something that, you know, might be generic or it might be about, you know, the upcoming schedule or something and, and just be prepared because, because yeah, I mean, that that's the experience that I have is you get the guys that try and, you know, I don't know, throw their weight around or whatever and try and they don't want to let the rookies or whatever answer or ask questions. Uh, and, uh, you know, just chime in. Talk, talk up. I mean, I mean, do you uh, – how about this for a question? Hey, Jim Harbaugh, what are your thoughts on uh, same-sex marriage? <laughs> That'll get you some attention, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> You'll probably get that classic Jim Harbaugh open-mouth blank stare. I, I feel like he might not answer that one. I think, I, I think though, if you did come up with some relatively uh, off-the-wall question that still was game related of some sort i think that might that might be that might be a catcher right there i mean what, what does it hurt i mean it, it's not like your career is on the line is what i'm trying to say you know if you if you ask a question and it's kind of dumb or whatever you might end up with a funny story what are the odds matt you think that jared will ask a question i was more curious if you're actually going to go to the post game presser i mean that was you know i thought you might run out on the field and try and get some on field sound after the game but yeah, I was. Are you, are you going to go to the post game presser? The details will be provided to me on Friday on exactly what the expectations are. But from my understanding, it's that it's not required. But they said, hey, if you want to go, you, you're more than welcome. We, if you can get some sound, we'd we'd appreciate it. Well, I don't see so. get the sound and get it back to the station in time for the show. I mean, yeah, it won't go on till like the midnight news. So I got yeah. like the deadline shouldn't be a problem. I would say then, if you got time, no matter what go to the press conference, I say the odds are 90% no that you will not get a question in on Harbaugh. How about... Um, no money if, on the if line. I am there... Oh, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's too much incentive. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, you know, one, I, like one I thing said... I would say, if, if you're going to try and plan on getting some sound after the game, one thing that's really cool and you can definitely do is get that on-field sound, you know, while the players are walking around... And, you know, shaking hands with their buddies with the other team and stuff like that, even Harbaugh doing it, I would be prepared when, if it's not like some close game where it's going to be a Hail Mary at the end of the game or something, have your microphone ready, have everything ready to go. Uh, right when those clock, right when the clock hits zero, run out on the field and try and find Shea Patterson, try and find Rashawn Gary or something like that. That's some cool sound. That's where you could definitely, you know, have your camera ready, stick a mic in their face, and ask them, you know, what do they think about the game or whatever. That's so a that, great that's idea. That's where you could definitely yeah, that is some good advice. And try and try and find some of those guys. Yeah, I think his his odds would be much better to get a player along those lines or even an assistant. I don't think Harbaugh. That's going to be a tough task. I think. Yeah, he's always obviously got security around him, and it does seem like he usually like shakes the other coach's hand and right. gets right to the locker room. <laughs> hey, it's the golden goose. I mean, don't put anything past me, but also the 90% to 10% might be a correct uh, odds. I'll tell you what, Jared. I, I'm not a big gambler guy, but I'll tell you what. I'll put a five on it, all right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But you got you to do it now. You got to make some money. Yeah, but you got yep. to be able to play the replay for me so, so I can hear the question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sounds that's, that's going to be an excuse. I swear I asked the question, but my tape ran out. <laughs> so, so you're on schedule right now, not only to do that game, but uh, Michigan State's next game, are you? Yeah, Michigan State. Uh, they are at home against uh, Central. Central has looked horrendous so far this season. Yeah. But I've never been to a game at Spartan Stadium, so I actually am looking forward to seeing that one. Both these games are noon kickoffs, right? Which I never like. So Matt's tweeted a couple times from Three Point Podcast account, like, this is good for people with deadlines and media. Sure. I never, I've always heard people say that. I never really understood what that meant until, like, I'm actually in those shoes where you have all day to get back and it, it is a lot better for us, but it does suck for everybody else. Yeah, well, one thing, I mean, just an example I have, uh, I know I've talked about it on this podcast before, the, the Notre Dame, the Tate 4CA Notre Dame-Michigan game that I was on the field with. Ryan Terpster, who was on our show before when we covered it, that was a later game. It got it got over later in the afternoon, and so 
the whole media deadline thing, that came into play because we got some post-game sound. We interviewed Tate Forcier after the game, and we were going to go to the post-game presser, but we didn't have time. I mean, we had to get back to Grand Rapids. So the whole noon kick thing with the media deadline, it does help for for people to have to travel back to their news station or whatever. You know, Jared, I know you've covered uh, a Ferris State game so far. You've covered some Friday night lights. Uh, How's it going in general, would you say? Uh, It's been awesome. I I don't even really view it as work. You're just basically watching football. I mean, you can't beat it. And then your when your routine, what's your routine when you go back to the studios? Let's say you're out covering a Friday night game, you write the script for the on-air person and then put the video together. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, you get, so you come back, edit it into like a highlight, thirty seconds to a minute, depending on the game. Uh, then you got to write the script for them to read. And we're, I mean, we have to keep it pretty rudimentary on the script, just because I mean they're rolling through so many highlights. Yeah, they kind of provide their own, you know. As long as they have like bullet everything. points, is that what you're doing? Yeah, it's basically the bullet, the bullet points. You know, the players' names, that sort of stuff. I know that's so, always one of the first things that they tell uh, PAs, or when I I had to do it up in Bristol a few times, uh, writing scripts for for Sports Center or whatever show you're working on. You know, you want to get creative. That's kind of like your time to shine, writing a script like that. But really, when it comes down to it. The people who are on TV, the anchors, they're the ones getting paid to be creative yeah. and have fun reading a highlight. So, yeah, sometimes, you know, you just got to, like you said, be rudimentary, kind of dumb down the script. Player, play, uh, action, and that's it on the script. That's all they need. And yeah. they can they can spruce it up how they want. Maybe maybe the time when it happened in the game. Yeah. yeah. Right. What did you guys think of just Michigan last week, like how they played, like actual on the field against SMU? I, I got to say I wasn't too impressed. What didn't impress you? The, how they started off kind of slow, or what? What kind of didn't impress you? They started off slow, and it's just their running game is in their offensive line is really what. It, I mean, Shea Patterson impressed me. Like, I mean, again, this is kind of with a grain of salt. We really don't know. It's kind of like with Western Michigan. We're not sure how good that team actually is, SMU, and it's tough to tell. I mean, we are grasping, just trying to find like any positives that we can get, and I can appreciate that. But also, it just seems like we're not going to be super successful running the ball. Like we don't have like a bell cow back, which well, I really think we need. Higdon was out. He was out. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, they put forty-five on the board. I think that was a. I think that was a definite positive step in the right direction to me. You know, they got to work out some kinks. They didn't show a lot of special things that they're going to need in the Big Ten. Patterson looked comfortable, definitely as comfortable as he's been all season long. And think about it. How many touchdown passes did they throw to wide receivers a year ago? I don't know the figure. Was it like five or six, something like that? For the I think it was only one or two. Maybe that's yeah, what it was. It was. Yeah. And they threw three of them to Jared's favorite receiver. You know, yeah, I, I like seeing the positive, especially seeing Shea Patterson throw the ball. You know, it it is SMU and it was Western Michigan last week, but those are still, those are still good throws. Those, some of them are still timing routes, so... The positive stuff is always good, as I said last week. And the 45 points, you know, they didn't score any in the first quarter. Right. So the 45 points came in the in three quarters. So I, I'll take any I'll, 45 points. I'll take that anytime. I kind of like the fact too that they mixed it up. I mean, they mixed the pass with the run. I mean, Patterson, you know, had a solid game stat wise: 14 of 18, almost 250, three touchdowns, and you know, one bad interception. But that's a that's a good start heading into the Big Ten season, and we'll see for real. Uh, how they are against Nebraska. Nebraska's going to be, be kind of angry. They are definitely not performing early on in the season. Scott Frost is a new coach coming in, and I'm already reading reports like some fans are starting to bail on Scott Frost. He's overrated, and it's just like, man, you're starting to sound like Michigan fans with that. You're only you're only two <laughs> games in. You need to relax a little bit. Oh, yeah. I do, yeah, get, I do get Jared's point. You know, I miss the days of, you know, a Chris Perry. I don't know if you remember him. Sure. But, or Anthony Thomas, you know, these, Mike Hart, even these running backs that – you can just give the ball to 25, 30 times and just count on him, you know, an every down back type of guy. I do miss those days. So, you know, I don't know. We've talked about before they should use the pass to set up the run, especially with Patterson. But, you know, I, it would be nice to see a more dominant run game for does, sure. Does any college program have that right at this point? They don't play that style of football anymore, really, do they? I mean, I mean Alabama's have been, been the best team in college football has been operating that way for like 10 years. Okay. So, Jared, like, what do you think if you if you could hang your hat on one thing that was good coming out of the SMU game? What would it be? It just, I really feel, I mean, other than like with the one complete. Actually, let me say this: it's not even on the field. It's just me personally. I was actually able to watch this game for the first time all the past like two, three years since we we've heard about my problems with sling television at my uh, <laughs> house. We did not have Big Ten Network. 
this would have been a game I would have been unable to watch. So at Grand Valley, it is one good thing. Uh, I mean, it's good school. I love it here. But the, the, they do kind of give it to you like, hey, yeah, it's all inclusive. Like, you get cable. I mean, we're obviously paying probably premium prices in order to watch that. But I am able to watch the actual game here. Uh, so that is one big, big plus, Matt. I will say that. As for on the field, I mean, it's just hard not to look at, you know, you chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary, this defensive line, they're balling out. They are. They had one miscue in the secondary, which gave up a huge play, but the defense is just is really well-rounded. Yeah, they're going to continue to get better as long as they stay healthy. They're going to be fun to watch. Let's talk a little bit more college football here as we go on, guys, but let me take a quick break and tell everybody about one of our great sponsors, Rivals Tap House and Grill. As a matter of fact, boys, I ate dinner there tonight with my wife. Outstanding as always. I had the... Uh, Today was Wings Day at Rivals, 50-cent wings, boys, and it was awesome. But that's Rivals Tap House and Grill, 21 TVs there, great food, great drinks, just an awesome place to hang out. Rivals what? Tap House and Grill on the corner of Shiawassee at M21 in what? Corona. What's your go-to wing sauce? That's what I was going to ask. What, what flavor did you go with? I went with garlic and Parmesan, and it was mm, spectacular today. Bone in or bone out? I go bone out. Okay. Yeah, bone out with a little ranch dressing on the side. That's my go-to uh, chicken wings. I, I'm not I a big can... wings with the bone in. I don't know why. I just I'm too lazy to to yeah to do it. I honestly don't understand people. I hate people who like hate on you for getting it with the bone out. It it's just it's genetic. It's just better. Like you don't you don't have to waste you so get much more energy. Chicken and it's it. less of a mess. I don't see exactly. Problem. Okay, so we're all in agreement on that. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. But if people out there disagree, send us a comment at Three Point Pod, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what it's there for. Good stuff. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I, I love their food there. So one of our great sponsors, that's Rivals Tap House and Grill here locally in mid-Michigan. Well, you know, it's a great spot to go watch college football. And, again, you got Michigan and Nebraska. The Big Ten season starts. you got a night game down in Bloomington. Michigan State coming off a bye week for Dan Tony. will usually do pretty well. From what I understand, this is a pretty good Indiana team. What is this, the third night game in a row for the Spartans? What do you, what do you guys think? Any, any chance they could falter down there in Bloomington? I mean, like you just said, Indiana's actually playing pretty well. And really, what has Michigan State showed us this year that should make us think that they're going to be a 9- or 10-win team? I mean, they snuck by Utah State at home, and then they lost to Arizona State, who just lost last week. So so I don't know. And then they, they're coming off a bye. So we don't really know a whole lot, really, about Michigan State, except that you know they've got Lewerke and L.J. Scott, and they haven't played – all that great this year either so i am curious to see what michigan state does i don't know about you guys indiana's you know they're they're a five-point underdog at home uh michigan state's going on the road but you also got like states coming off a two weeks prep against indiana i mean let's not overthink this yet indiana's three and oh but it's it's indiana for god's sakes the first game of the season they beat florida international by 10 then they went to then they played virginia at home they won by four and then they just beat ball state by 28 i mean this team is not I really think Michigan State's going to roll here. Wasn't it Ball State they gave Notre Dame all they could handle? That's what I was going to say. Ball State, they only lost by eight to Notre Dame. So if you're someone who looks at you know what a team did against previous opponents or something, then, then beating Ball State by 28, that's not that bad of a win. It's also a big letdown for Ball, uh, for Ball State. I mean, what do you want? Ball State's going against the big dogs back-to-back weeks. I mean, they're going to fall off a little bit. Well, here's the question I got for you, young buck. You're our resident bookie, right? Yeah. Okay, home underdog by five. Is that enough to entice you? That is normally like what people look at. Uh, like I know for sure that's like an NFL thing. But it's just I kind of feel, again, and I will say this, I really did want to bet on Michigan State against Arizona State. It was the same scenario. I think it was the line was five in that game as well. And thank God I forgot to do it because <laughs> that, as we saw how that went. But it's just, I don't know, it's just me personally, I feel like I know more than the typical better with this Michigan State team just for how much we cover them and how much we follow them and how much I hate them, how much I hate watch them. Uh, but, like, they're coming out pissed off. They they lost a the game. You know they've been hearing it for the past two weeks from everybody. They're coming for blood. They could and be Indy- coming for blood, or you could look at, you know, some teams coming off a bye week come off really flat, especially if they're on the road in a night game. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, and that's what I mean. Like, I, I've come to the point where I just – that's why I didn't think Michigan State would lose to Arizona State. I just expect them to, to pull these games out that, that are going to end up being close. 
But, you know, coming off a bye, they could actually come out flat. You never know. Or right. They could be up 30 to nothing after the second quarter. So yep. Did you see that D'Antonio said they, they won the uh, body clock and, uh, like, night game battle against Arizona State or something like yeah. that? Yeah, I so, thought, you know, they, he What's said that they mean? lost the game, but they conquered the, the time change in the heat. Like, you, you got to love moral victories. Holy crap. He actually said that? Yeah. My goodness. That <laughs> Dude, is... well, he knows how to spin stuff. He's going to have it. It's D'Antonio. You give D'Antonio a week from, I feel like with the bye week, it comes down to the coach. Yeah. Like, whether a team's going to come out flat or whether they should come out that much more prepped and rested up. And I feel like Michigan State is, with D'Antonio, like they're, they're going to come off a bye week better than most teams. Let me throw this out at you guys, too. If we're looking at other other college teams out there any big storylines we want to touch on as far as what's going on right now and i know the one thing that still bugs me is this four-team playoff geez it would be so much better if there was an eight-team playoff in my viewpoint yeah i mean it it would be nice because i just saw a stat uh the other day that i I can try and find real quick but it was showing uh the percent chances of teams that are already have one loss right on making the college football playoff and i mean like I think Michigan was at like a five percent chance, and some and they were the highest, actually right? Really good, were even below that, right? So it's just one of those things where it's like you're almost—you never know. Obviously, it's still really early in the season, but some of these teams, it's almost like you're you're writing them off already to be in the college football playoff, and you know, it, it's there's still a lot of football to be played. So if you expanded it to eight teams, I feel like it would it would make a lot more sense. Eight teams would be a lot better for us, but I also what I enjoy about college football that it's not quite the same way in the NFL is that every game matters for everybody. It makes for the, just the regular season games, I think, a lot more enjoyable than the NFL regular season games. That's a fair you point. Know, it, it does and it doesn't. You know, I, I do agree with you. It, every game does mean a lot more in college football, especially way more than it does in college basketball because 150 teams or whatever make the, the tournament in college basketball seems yeah. So I do get that. But at the same time, not necessarily because these non-conference games, especially in the Power Fives, you know, Michigan can lose to Notre Dame, Alabama, or, you know, an SEC team could lose a non-conference game. But as long as you go through your conference, win your conference, you're going to make the college football playoff. I mean, you can't you can't start 0-3 maybe and then go through your conference. But, you know, if you, if you stumble one time, Michigan losing against Notre Dame, as long as they take care of business in the Big Ten, they're going to be in the college football playoff. Do you, now, do you guys see Wisconsin? I mean, we saw them lose. Even if they run the table, do you think they still make it in, Matt? I think they might get left out. No, without a doubt. Whoever wins the Big Ten is, you know, if if they don't have multiple losses, will be in the college football playoff. Last week, though, was horrendous for the Big Ten, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bad weekend. Other than, I mean, Ohio State, I am very scared of Ohio State. They just look head and shoulders above the rest of the Big Ten, in my opinion. They do. And I think in everybody's opinion, really. Doesn't mean they can't get beat on a certain Saturday, but you're right, man. They look very impressive, and... Sir Urban, coming back this next week. Stay tuned. Yeah, like like right now. Sorry, I I was just looking this up. Uh, Wisconsin right now is at a .3% chance to make the college football playoff after three games. Wow. It's almost like as as fans, you know, it's almost like what's the point watching? Michigan's at 5.2%. Auburn is at 1.6%. So it's just crazy to think that these teams who, who might end up winning their conferences and making a run, you're saying they, you know, they have that low of a chance to make the college football playoff. Did you guys see what the, uh, what today the anniversary of today is? Eight years ago, Michigan State beats Notre Dame on a fake field goal in 2010. Right. That was not a great day to start my morning. That was not a great way to start my morning. You just, uh, I knew most, it was not going to be a great day. nauseating replay that I've ever seen. Was that the little, Giants little over Giants and over and over? Yeah. Well, who was it just this week? Was it Rashawn Gary that said he hates Michigan State? Oh, Devin, Devin Bush. Bush. Bush, okay. Boy, we all thought of Jared when we saw that quote, didn't we? Yeah. It, I you loved know, it. it. People were kind of blowing it out of a proportion a little bit. Like, they were saying it's bulletin board material. Right. And, and it's like, anyone who knows this rivalry, they, they know that the players don't like each other. So, like, I, I thought it was cool to see him say that, but at the same time, I was like, well, yeah, of course they do. No one no one really on Michigan likes Michigan State. But, you know, the but, story disappeared oh, a little bit, but it is going to be bulletin board material no matter what, don't you think? Oh, especially with D'Antonio. He'll take anything and put it on the bulletin well, board. It's just like the little sister comment from Mike Hart. But, the, I mean, what, like, I, I hate State. Like, do you really think that's that bad of a comment? I don't. No, like, I don't I don't think it's bad, but it's just, it's it's a quote that's out there. Like, D'Antonio, look at what he, they said about us. They said they hate us. Isn't that? Like, I, just, I don't know. I just don't see that as much he'll, of a He'll figure out a way, D'Antonio will figure out a way to spin it to, like, 
they're not respecting us. No one's respecting us or something like that. When really it's just he said he hates Michigan State, just like all the players at Michigan State hate Michigan. But kudos to D'Antonio if he spins it that way. That's called coaching, motivation, right? Exactly. He's the master He's, a, he's the master of that. Oh, without a doubt. To get, me, if you need bulletin board material to get yourself up for the Michigan-Michigan State game or the Michigan-Ohio State game, then maybe there's something else not going on in the locker room. Like, why, why do you need bulletin board material to get yourself pumped up to go play Michigan? Well, let me throw really? the let me be the devil's advocate. Why not? Every uh, yeah, you're going to be fired up to begin with. Oh. Why not though? It's even added motivation. I guess like if it's fake, then you know you're trying to make up bulletin board material. You're, it's like you're focusing on something else that you should. Right. I mean, it's not that hard to master the bulletin board when you when Mike Hart gave like the worst bulletin board material ever set, <laughs> and we've just been paying for it ever since. Was it awesome at the time? Do I still kind of love it? Yes, but we've been paying for it ever since. Oh yeah, it's the curse of Mike Hart. There's no doubt. Yeah, there you go. The rivalry turned quickly after he said that. But the thing is, at the time, it was true. But yeah, you know, Michigan State fans are, you know, they easily forget that at the time, Michigan was dominating Michigan State for a long time. You know, at the time, it was the right comment, but, you know, it doesn't look good now. Well, I'd have to look it up. Do you, Michigan State always won periodically, didn't they? Yeah, they always sprinkled in a win here and there, but... Uh, I mean, Michigan from, I don't know, like the late 80s, early 90s, till that Mike Hart comment really dominated. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's talk a little pro football here, boys. But before we get to it, I want to tell our listeners about the Corona Connection, a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona Vernon and Shiawassee County parts of Lennon. Follow the Corona Connection on Facebook. You can read the entire publication at coronaconnection.com. Well, you know, the Lions opened up with a debacle, you know, totally an unprofessional team in Monday Night Football against the Jets. They actually played quite a bit better down the stretch against the 49ers, but still found an SOL way to lose. My big takeaway, and the thing I hated the most from this entire game, Matt Patricia flipped his hat around. <laughs> and it might sound like you, like, from how much we all hated it, like, we that we liked this move, but this just shows me... Like, He's listening to idiots like me talk about his hat. He's, like, <laughs> flipping his hat around because of what the media is saying. The media. We're a bunch of idiots. Wow, we are dumb. <laughs> and he's he's changing how he's always done things just because of that. Just for his perception. And that just was the ultimate bad move, in my opinion. What did you guys think on that? No, you're right. If he's turning it around because media and fans are saying he should, he should look more professional or something on the sidelines... Then yeah, man, he's already he, he's already you know lost the fan base if, if that's the case. Yeah, I hope that's not the reason why he did it. But you know what concerns me more than anything is uh, you know some bad coaching moves in the game. And the other thing that just upsets me, I don't know what you guys think. Maybe it's just just me and my old school perspective. But he just stands there. He just stands there on the sideline and is kind of talking in his headset. I like coaches that are fiery and up and down that sideline and, you know, talking to the boys and getting them fired up. But he just stands there like he's not into it. I, maybe it's just a perception, but I don't like that whole – I just don't like that look. I mean, one thing I thought about when I've seen that is, you know, we're only seeing what the cameras or what, you know, what the broadcast True. shows. So, obviously, the camera goes to him a lot you know, after a bad play or something, and he might be standing there. But we're, we're not seeing him the rest of the game. So, you know, he might not – he might be in some guys' faces at some point. Okay, you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. That's okay. What, <laughs> what about you, Jared? You, I was – yeah, it just seems like he's never really – like, he doesn't talk much. See, whenever the camera's on him, I mean, do you really think the chances are it's that crazy that every time the camera's on him, Matt, it seems like he's not doing anything? Oh, no, I, I feel like that's how he is most of the time. I'm just saying, you know, we only see what the cameras show. You know, and as bad as the Lions played early in the game, I mean, they had a legitimate shot to uh, to win that game. I mean, when they had that unbelievable call on Diggs that really cost them, you know. I mean, what? It, I mean, I guess that's the home field advantage, right? I guess. Or it's just, you know, same old Lions. They always have a call like that go against them, it seems like. Right. It was the right call. It, it, didn't, it obviously didn't matter to the play at all, but, I mean, he did hold them. And that just shows you... I, even when stuff goes right, the Lions are going to find a way to mess it up. I know. And you're right. You, By the book, it was probably the right call. But, you know, if you watch an NFL game, even the, even the defensive backs, they have their hands on the receivers quite often that don't get called. Oh, all the time. And, I mean, yeah, they you know they submitted the play. You know, they can submit plays to, to the league after the game is over to, to have them review it. And the NFL did come out and say that it was the correct call. But, right, it was so far away from the play 
not affecting the outcome of the play at all, that it's clearly one of those that you didn't have to call. But, of course, that would go against the Lions. Right. <laughs> Did you guys hear the interaction? But So this was like when the Lions were marching. When they were down 20 to 30, they ended up scoring. Between the announcers where uh, it was Matt Shepard and Chris Field, and Matt Shepard was like, yeah, they always seem to score when they go hurry up. Like, they have better rhythm. Or no, that was Spielman that said that. And then Matt Shepard said, yeah, why don't they always? Why don't they use that all the all game? And then uh, Spielman said, like defense, the defense will get tired. And then he just and then Matt Shepard went, like, oh okay. And yeah. like they just kind of left it. Like our defense is ass. Like already, like we don't stop anyone as it is. Like let's put some points on the board. Have you guys yeah. always wondered that? Like why more teams don't go like the two minute offense? It seems like that's when we're at our best. Absolutely. Uh, Past like five years. By the way, I want to I want to correct this real quick, like not to not to correct you, Jared, but it wasn't Matt Shepard. I think it was Brennahan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got that from online. I, I actually did look that up beforehand, and that was all. That was what I could find. Yeah, no problem. Shepherd. But it, but Spielman was definitely there working the game. But I agree. It, for the Lions to be successful, they got to let Matt Stafford run the hurry up and and really run things. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we all we just said it. Like the last five, six, seven years, you know try and establish the run. They try and, you know, whatever, get into the, the flow of the game. Next thing you know, they're down 17, 20 points, so they have to get in the hurry up, and they come back, and they start scoring points. So, yeah, you might not be able to do the hurry-up offense the whole game, but that's definitely where Matt Stafford is his best, is when he's, you know, just kind of slinging it around, letting it go. And, you know, then, like we've said before, use those passes to set up the run because they're 30th right now in the NFL in rushing offense. They're not a running offensive team. So you need to let Stafford throw the ball 45 to 50 times a game and then run off of that, I feel like. But, I mean, what do we know? We're just armchair quarterbacks. Yeah, well, I think we, you, we know enough. Would you guys – now let me ask you guys this. Would you guys take a punt on a game and just hand the ball off to on Johnson as many times as it takes to get to 100 yards <laughs> to try to change, like, that curse? I honestly feel like once we break it, like, we'll, we'll, our running game will improve dramatically. <laughs> Would you guys before if they just said we're going to hand the ball off to him as many times as it takes to get us to break this stupid streak that we hear about every day? Not yet. Not at this point of the season I wouldn't, but if we get, you know, completely out of the playoff picture, why not? Maybe change it down. But no, I do, I wouldn't. I mean, at some point you got to you got to do something to break that. It's it's almost more impressive that they've gone this long without a 100-yard back than the teams that are always rushing for 100 yards. Like, I feel like you have to try not to rush for 100 yards in a game for this long. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Lions offensive line for you, too. Now, let me, let me ask you this. I don't know if this is a fact or not, but is it easier for an offensive line to pass block than run block? I've heard multiple interviews that say, uh, like, running run blocking. Is easier. Uh-huh. Okay. Because to me, it seems like it would be pass blocking. You know, you get on your back, haunches there, and, you know, you jam those arms out in front of you. But I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think about I, there's video from this last last game against SMU. Rashawn Gary like literally bull rushed the tackle that was in front of him. <laughs> they were in a pass, and that that tackle, like you said, he was in his his back, you know, drop dropping back the pass block, and Gary just bull rushed him, ran him over. So I feel like you know if you're pass blocking, especially when you're going up guys like Cleo Mack and JJ Watt, that'd be pretty tough to be like taking steps back and you have those guys going full tilt you know, all their weight into you. Um, so, I mean, I feel like it would be run blocking would be easier. All right, let's, yeah. let's get that 100-yard rusher then, damn it. Because yeah, you're, you're the aggressor. And, I mean, just think about it. Whenever you see, like, yeah, like Matt talks about those highlight videos where the defensive linemen just completely embarrass the offensive linemen, it's never when they're run blocking. It's always when they're sitting on their haunches just waiting for Von Miller or Khalil Mack just to come speed rushing at them when it's a run game and you see a pulling guard or a tackle going out and he's pancaking guys you know during run plays so right it you know usually it's whoever's the aggressor i feel like okay the young boys maybe have talked me into something there yeah you personally say you're an offensive lineman would you rather be sitting back in a pass uh pass set waiting for von miller to come at you full steam or would you (laughs) rather like at least be able to Give him the first original pop. Well, and and again, I guess it kind of goes both ways. Let's let's look at it this way: if you're if you're coming off the ball as an offensive lineman and hitting that first blow with your arms going forward and then dropping back into your stance, a little different, isn't it? Maybe, yeah. And I, I think about too, like sometimes with run blocking, you hear the analysts or people talk about sometimes all you really need to do is like get in a guy's way. 
Like, you don't necessarily need to, like, pancake or manhandle them. You know, sometimes all a running back needs, especially in the NFL with how fast these guys are, all a running back needs is, like, just chip him. Just, you know, knock him off his block, you know, knock him out of his pass, and that's enough. Well, here's the critical question, okay? Lions are 0-2. We knew they weren't going to win last week because they never win at San Francisco. Week 1 was a game at home they should have won. So, realistically, they ought to be 1-1. One and one. With the Patriots coming in, then they got the Packers. Is this season a lost cause for the Lions, or is there any possible hope after they made the adjustments this week and actually in a close game on the road on the West Coast? Is there any hope they could possibly sniff the playoffs? Did you see uh, what Golden Tate said? Uh, trust that we, like uh, Darius Slay said, trust the process, and then Golden Tate re, uh, recommented that and said, trust that we will continue to fight. Yeah. Like he didn't. He doesn't even really trust in it. They're going to continue to fight. So should yeah, we continue to root? To be honest, I, I would tell those guys it's getting tough as Lions fans to to keep trusting the process. Been trusting it ever since Barry Sanders was there. Yeah, you know we've talked about it too. And I know Matt, you've posted on Three Point Pod. Really, for the Lions, for for changes to be made, fans do have to quit going. I don't. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I have noticed there has been a trend in the NFL. Maybe it's reached its peak, you know, under Goodell and all this stuff with the players kneeling and all that controversy that's really torn up this country in general with what's going on right now. I think the NFL could be in a little bit of trouble. What do you guys think about that? I just saw that the Washington Redskins opened up at home, and there was a lot of empty seats in their home opener. They had like 50,000 fans for their game, and there's been a couple other games with a lot of empty seats. Is the NFL in trouble? Uh, as long as their games are being broadcast on TV, I don't think they're ever going to be in trouble. I mean, most of these leagues, the NBA, yeah, that's why Major League Baseball is still like everyone, you know, barely anyone goes to baseball games anymore. But, you know, baseball teams still make a ton of money because of the TV deals. If fans don't go to the games, let's say Lion fans don't show up at Ford Field and they have 40,000 people there or 30,000, it's not going to make any difference? I don't think so, No. As long as people, as long as at least twenty thousand, whatever, are going, as long as people are buying jerseys, hats, whatever, these teams make so much money. I think really some of the owners couldn't care less if their team wins or loses. And do you think the Ford family, you know, any reason to be optimistic while they keep running the team? No. What What's been the one constant this whole time that the Lions haven't won a title since like whatever nineteen seventy or whatever it is? Yeah. It's been the one constant, the Ford family. Right. And what do you, why do you think that is? Is it because they're complacent? You know, like Daryl Rogers when he was coached there says, "What's a guy got to do to get fired?" You know, is it are they too comfortable? That you know that they're not hard enough, they're not demanding enough. Like let's say, even though this guy I'm not a big fan of, but Jerry Jones, I don't know. I don't know, and you know, I don't know if it's like they. It seems like they only want like yes men working for them. Like I, I remember they were gonna hire Bill Parcells a while back and possibly bring him in. And you know that Bill Parcells would go in and want to run things the way that he wants to run things. And, I mean, obviously they didn't hire him. And it seems like they just hire guys that, you know, like guys like Jim Caldwell, you know, guys like, you know, Jim Schwartz didn't work out. And, you know, Patricia right now looks like we're talking about him being quiet on the sidelines. You know, where are these guys that are just going to come in and say, nope, we're changing the culture. There's a losing culture in Detroit, obviously. So let's turn things around. Let's change it. Well, one final thing on the NFL, man. There's been some some bad calls that the the Clay Matthews hit from this last week. What what do you got to do in tackle football? How how is that a penalty? The thing that I hate about that is like the Packers fans are really upset about that. That rule was put in place because of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like touche. That's what I don't get. But, it's a dumb rule. The whole body weight rule is very stupid. It's one thing when the guy. I mean, it's. When it's obvious that he's pile driving the quarterback down on the grass, right? But uh-huh. but Clay Matthews' hit wasn't that way. At least that's not how I saw it. He hit him hard in the midsection with his shoulder. What's he supposed to do with his body when it, when they're going down? He's supposed to spin off to the side. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, and what's crazy about it too is he. You know, sometimes you see guys like the quarterback releases and then they hit him. So you could maybe say right alter the way they hit him. Clay Matthews was already hitting Cousins as he was throwing the ball. So his head, his head was already like down, tackling Cousins. So really, he would maybe not know if Cousins even threw the ball. You know, Cousins could have tucked it or something. So of course he's going to finish the tackle. And, you know, you're a 250-pound dude or however much Matthews weighs going full tilt. 
how are you gonna how are you gonna change the way that your body falls like that? Like yeah. it really just doesn't make any sense. I did see some questions this week, and I've never really understood why they have certain rules that can be reviewed and certain penalties that can't be reviewed. I mean, that would have been a perfect example for if they would have challenged that and say, hey, take a look at that one upstairs. Is that really the foul? You know, was that the referee really had a good look at that? That could have been overturned if they would have had that rule in in place, couldn't it? It could have been, but the NFL doubled down on it, and they said that it was the correct call, and they said that they would actually use that video of that hit as an example of what that rule is supposed to be. I don't. I think that's just the NFL covering their ass, maybe. Yeah, that's a farce. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Wow. These bang bang plays, hits on quarterbacks. You know, these guys are flying around. Uh, you know, it might look like a vicious hit, so the ref might throw the flag because it looks bad. And then you know they go back and look at the tape and say, actually, that wasn't a penalty. I, I don't see why there's anything wrong with that. That changes the outcome of the game. Because Cousins threw a pick on that play, and the Packers would have won. Oh, right. So, yeah, so, I mean, you're having these penalties that are legitimately changing the outcome of the game. Yeah, 100%. Did you Now, something that I can't believe we didn't mention when we were talking Lions, but did you guys see who the Patriots uh, signed? Yeah. 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 Now, can, now, let me put another hypothetical. This is kind of how I view just I enjoy watching good television and listening to good, like, sports talk. Would you rather have the Lions win this game or Josh Gordon just go off for like 250 yards, 303 touchdowns? Well, personally, I'm 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 an old fuddy-duddy, but I w- I would love to see the Lions beat the Patriots more than that. Yeah, really? I, mean, I I always want the Lions to win. I, I just I can't stand them losing. But there is a side to me that's starting to get like you know what? Maybe they need to go 0 16 again. I don't know. Like something needs to happen to change because if they end up going eight and eight again, uh, you know it's just gonna be same old same old. This is gonna. It, I tell you, I don't know how this game is gonna go this weekend. With uh, it's a Sunday night football game, prime time. Lions versus Patriots. Patricia, you know it's gonna it. be the whole uh, protege versus master. Uh, if you even call him a protege, I don't, we'll see. I will say just about the line, not to go back to last week, but I did appreciate uh, LeGarrette Blunt shoving someone. Like, someone has some heart on this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's something I, I feel like maybe we've talked about. I don't know if it was on this podcast or maybe it was on the sports forum on a Friday night or something. I feel like we've talked about how there's been times that Stafford, there's maybe a late hit or someone shoved Stafford or something, and, and really, like, no teammates ever really come to get his back. So I, it was cool to see LeGarrette Blunt stand up for, for Stafford. I don't care if he got tossed out of the game or whatever. I mean, it, it was cool to see him stand up for his guy. Yeah, a little little fieriness there, which goes a long way, maybe. We'll see, hopefully. Patricia came out and said, I mean, there, there was a lot to it in the press conference, but, but he said something along the lines of that he, he understands the fans' frustration. Right. And, you know, there's just a side to me that's like, you know, all these, these guys that come in, acting like they understand the fans' frustration. You haven't been watching Lions football your whole life. You don't know what you're talking about. He has no clue. No clue whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, spe- speaking of uh, frustration, uh, I've got some unfortunate new- news, guys. Uh, I really think uh, this podcast has taken a turn for the worst, Uh-oh. just overall, and I would like to announce my retirement. Uh, midway through this podcast, <laughs> did you guys did you guys see that? Oh, Man, you set that, that up was. nicely. I like that. Character. So you like that move? Oh, that was awesome! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, though I don't, I like. Can you imagine just being a, like you wouldn't even just go out there for the second half just for just to kind of enjoy it one last time? He was just that much done. He just called it. <laughs> it took it took balls. I'll tell you that much. It is crazy. I mean, you know, there's a side. There were guys going off, former players going off, saying, you know, it's, it's Bush League and you should be out there for your guys. You know, the one thing, his, his contract was guaranteed if he made the opening day roster. And then there was something because he was inactive week one. So, like, he had some other bonus or something to him coming, you know, if he played some more games. Mm-hmm. He, he played a half. He got his guaranteed five mil. And he said, man, the, the Bills might be worse than the Lions this year. Right. He probably said, man, I'm not going through this. I'm done. What the hell Big happened? time finesse move. What the hell happened to the Bills, by the way? Weren't they a playoff team last year? Yeah, they were, they were a playoff team, so I don't know. T-Mobile left. Tyrod. Yeah, Tyrod was a quarterback, and, you know, they, they got the rookie that's probably going to start playing. But, man, they're they're terrible. They they really might be worse than the Lions. Yeah, it's it, they're right there together, but I think they might be worse. They are that bad. I can't put the Lions in that category. They're not that bad. All right. Well, we'll we'll watch Sunday night. That's going to be fun. I can't, I can't wait. That'll be awesome. Actually, I haven't seen if uh, I haven't seen if Darius Slay is actually cleared to play. If he can't play, 
Uh, and I don't know who's going to cover Josh Gordon, but I did see, speaking of that, Tease Tabor, he's a cornerback that they drafted last year. Right. Second-year corner. The quarterbacks have a perfect passer rating <laughs> when receivers are targeted that Tease Tabor is covering. Yeah, I saw some of those stats. Like the, the rookie they drafted on the offensive line, he's got, like, the worst rating in the league as well, doesn't he? Yeah, so Ragnow, uh, the kid they right. drafted out of Arkansas, he has the most pressures of all linemen in the NFL right now. And Taylor Decker, who was another number one pick that the Lions had, their left tackle, he uh, pro football focus. They do all these crazy stats for, for football. They have him rated as the worst run-blocking tackle in the NFL right now. Oh, there's, so, there's a lot to be optimistic about right there. Yeah, that, that's the whole left side of the line. That's the left tackle and left guard. That, that's who Stafford has protected. Oh, my God. If, you got, if, if I said to you, we're going to go 0-16, but we're going to have the number one pick, in the draft next year would you guys just cancel this season cancel it in what way not watch no i mean just we're gonna go home at 16 you're just accepting that right now oh, i'd be tough man i love watching the lions too much it'd be tough to watch that again yeah. think what if we got nick boza coming in next year is that where you would go nick boza or, would or you, uh, what about Houston. what about the alabama quarterback is he a potential number one he could be i think well he's only a sophomore he's got to stick I think he would be 2020 year. draft is what I'm saying oh, okay so he can't come out next year I saw people saying that the Lions should draft Chase Winovich or Rashawn Gary and I'm just like no don't don't wish that on those guys <laughs> to come to Detroit and have to play their career there. You, you guys got to answer the question though I'm a genie um, I I offer you this wish like you won't even remember that you made this deal so your brain will reset afterwards. So you're gonna experience this 0 16 season in full. Is the is the but, is the bat is the is the thing on the table 0 16 or just not make the playoffs? Or can we say I'd I'd rather see him make the playoffs even at nine and seven instead of 0 16? No, uh, you don't have that. You're this season's gonna play out however it plays out if you don't accept the deal. Okay, so you're saying the deal on the table right now is have him go 0 16 and get the number one choice. Yes. Nah, I'm not gonna take that. Yeah. You're in the same. I, I suffered through that already once. That was terrible. Jared, you're going to take it. I would take. I mean, what's <laughs> if you, either you're contending for a title or you're not. I mean, that's just that's the way I view things. We're not. Yeah. This team is not. That's what I mean. Like if if it's just going to be another seven to nine, eight and eight season with another number nineteen or twenty pick in the NFL draft. It's like, man, how are you going to get better at that? Yeah, and I almost would have to have in my mind that I would have a quarterback to maybe come in to replace Stafford and maybe trade him. You know, it'd have to be a number one quarterback, like a Mayfield or somebody that is going to be a 10-year, 12-year guy that's going to be at the top of the league. I'd have to know that's in front of me before I would ever say that. So I can't do it. That's fair. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say there's a wrong answer, but. Okay. Well, listen, we'll wrap up the show with some final comments, but uh, next up, guys, let's see what's going on with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Fred, Matt, Jerry, how y'all doing? Well, as you know, my son Jake was recently issued a hunting violation citation, and he was also levied a fine for killing one right off our neighbor's bird feeder. But uh, uh, Jake told me that, uh, by the way, the squirrel had both his cheeks packed with food as the squirrel was gorging on top of Martha's bird feeder and Jake shot him from 20 yards out with a deer rifle, and he said it exploded, sending fur and bird seed from here to Vernon. But, uh, guys, he's, he's in bigger trouble now because I guess they also performed a blood alcohol test, and he blew a .25, and he confessed to me and Jackie that he invaded our homemade Chi-Town moonshine stash that we keep in our basement, which I guess that's maybe a mistake since he lives there. But anyway, guys, uh, if I don't bear his ass out financially, his rear end will be living in my basement till he's 57, and I'll be dead by then. Speaking of 57, I doubt that I will live long enough to see our Detroit Lions win another championship. Of course, now they, they call it Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, sure, Matt Millen had his team better prepared against the 49 but is anyone out there in three-point podcast land really happy with mediocrity? Well, at least they competed. The Lions look better than they did week one. Bull hockey, we deserve better. Well, let's see. The Lions finished 9-7 and seven under Bobby Ross last year, and the 49ers finished 
6 and 10 under Steve Mariachi, showing Jack D. Straff's book, the Niners are on the upside and improving, and the Lions 2018 forecast looks like my neighbor's dead squirrel. Look, guys, I'm not giving the Lions a pass or a moral victory following their three-point loss. Yes, they did look better, but as Herm Edwards said, you play to win the game. And guess what? They didn't. And knowing that an angry Patriot team led by future Hall of Famer Bill Pelichick is coming to town following their defeat by the Jaguars. The Lions will start the Matty Patty era 0-3. Belichick is a mastermind at exploiting weaknesses, and his only challenge will be prioritizing which Lion weakness to exploit. Patriot 36 Lions 24. One more NFL story, guys, to comment on. Both the Cleveland Browns and Minnesota Vikings cut their kickers, Zane Gonzalez and Daniel Carlson, respectively. Professional football is a tough sport with a lot of pressure. Both Gonzalez and Carlson, I don't know if you guys know, he had uh, excellent college careers. Gonzalez holds the NCAA record, uh, Division One that is, for field goals made in a career. He was a unanimous All-American in 2016. But in the recent Saints loss, he missed an extra point that would have given the Browns the lead, instead keeping it tied at 18. And then with three seconds remaining, he missed a 52-yard heartbreaker, which would have tied the game, sealing the Browns' fate. By the way, the Browns signed him to a four-year, $2.48 million contract, but he walked away with 89000 guaranteed. And the Vikings' Daniel Carlson never missed an extra point in his college career at Auburn. He's the all-time leading scorer in SEC football history. But in the NFL, not for long, league, in last week's Huge game against the Packers. He missed one field goal in regulation and two in overtime, resulting in a 29-29 tie. Now he's on the street. He was guaranteed $248,000, but next February, guys, he's going to be serving Matt Patricia 2 a.m. bags of cheesy gordita crunch meals at Taco Bell. Although it may seem too early to give up on a decorated college kicker, NFL coaches and players have little patience for what they see as automatic points taken off the scoreboard because their kicker has nerves of jello. Anyway, once doubt, uh, doubt creeps in, fellas, a kicker can go from Joe Morgan to Chuck Knobloch in 10 seconds. And for you youngins out there, go look in your encyclopedia or whatever you look at to find out who Chuck Knobloch is. Anyway, before you give me the boot, pun intended, Antonio will win a close one against Bobby Knight's Hoosiers, 28-24, to and Michigan will handle Nebraska easily, 32-10, to applying plenty of defensive heat, defrosting the frost-led Cornhuskers. I'm so clever, I gotta go see you guys. All right, as always, hilarious Jack Strap. He definitely has a take on what's going on out there. Before we wrap up the show, guys, just want to remind uh, our listeners here in mid-Michigan, join the Corona Public Schools winning team today. Find out why nearly 40% of their students make Corona their school of choice, whether young or old. It's great to be gold, they say. And uh, they got a big uh, Corona Athletic Hall of Fame four-person golf scramble coming up on October 6th. It's at the uh, Dutch Hollow Golf Club in Durand. For details, call Corona Schools and they can hook you up with Joe Peterson. Well, fellas, I'm not sure if we got anything else to get into tonight. Uh, a fun show talking college and pro football. I know in high school football, you know, there's a heck of a matchup brewing down the road in Division Seven. You got the new Lothrop Hornets ranked number two right behind Puama Westphalia. And, uh, boy, if they match up again, I hope it's not in the districts like it was last year. It would be nice to see that matchup at Ford Field or at least in the semifinals. How about you, Jared? You're following some pretty good teams over there in your neck of the woods. Yeah, uh, the big story here was that Muskegon was upset earlier this year, but I really think Muskegon's the real deal. Uh, I just have so much fun watching uh, just how their offense operates and everything. That I really think that that's going to be the best team in the state. Yeah, well, and also in, in high school – 
uh, in general here in mid-Michigan. Definitely our, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Ovid Elsie family as they lost a good one in Carson Vincent. Uh, tragically died earlier this week. And uh, I mean, the Ovid Elsie school districts and the surrounding school districts in our area, definitely in shock. He was he was quite a young man and quite a basketball and standout athlete at Ovid Elsie schools. So uh, he'll certainly be missed and our sympathies go out to the family and friends for sure. Definitely a bad deal. And that's why you got to enjoy every day that you're on this earth for sure. And, you know, we enjoy it because we're Lion fans, right? Yeah, we try to. Did you see the one posting where the guy, he met a fairy, and, and the fairy granted him a wish, and he says, well, I want to live forever. And, and the fairy said, sorry, I'm not allowed to grant wishes like that. And he said, well, fine, I want to die after the Lions win the Super Bowl. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> crafty bastard <laughs> alright guys let's call it a show I'll end it with that stale joke uh, that'll be hey, it I thought that was a great joke was that a good that was one? A bad. that was pretty good it's a good one okay thanks thanks <laughs> alright that's gonna do it for now don't forget share this three point podcast with all your friends subscribe on Apple iTunes SoundCloud or TuneIn definitely give us a rating fire off your comments on our podcast page you can also follow us and comment on twitter we're at three point pod you can email us at three point pod at gmail.com and again thanks to the corona public schools rivals tap house and grill the corona connection and z92.5 the castle this has been a sportsnet michigan production until next time thanks for listening to three point podcast